Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Now, you may not know this, but I do talk about it with some regularity, especially when I'm interviewed by other people, that I spent some time in the charismatic movement. I was in the latter reign in the late 80s, and here's the thing. I know all about the Pentecostal charismatic movement from being an insider, and I I can tell you what they go on about is not the actual work of the Holy Spirit. So that being the case, I do find it odd that from time to time, I hear prominent Pentecostals or so-called prophets or prophetesses or so-called apostles or apostolates when they use the same language, the same, well, the same predictions that I heard back in the late 80s. Ah, it's kind of an interesting thing. So today what we're going to do, we are going to listen to what I consider to be empty Pentecostal propaganda phrases, empty Pentecostal propaganda phrases. And we're going to be hearing from Emma Stark, and we're also going to be hearing from Jennifer LeClaire. And by no means is this an exhaustive list, but I do find this kind of stuff fascinating because I've heard all this stuff before. And where did I hear it? Oh, I heard it back in the in the late 80s, <laughs> you know, when I was in the uh, latter rain. So all that being said, let's uh, well, let's whirl up the desktop and uh, let me pull up my web browser. Uh, and uh, well, this is the Jim Baker show. They had a, a New Year's Eve special and uh, and Emma Stark from Scotland is uh, is on the air. She flew in and uh, and she. Oh my goodness, she is just like one Pentecostal propaganda buzz phrase after another. None of this stuff is is real. It's just nonsense. I heard all this stuff back in the late 80s, and the, the stuff she's saying right now, oh my goodness, none of this is, is new. Uh, the only people it's new for are the people who are new to Pentecostalism. But as somebody who's a, a veteran and a penitent former Pentecostal, I can tell you, the, I heard all this stuff before. So let's uh, uh, tune in, shall we? And just a little bit of a note. I've bumped up the speed just a little bit because, well, we got a lot of biblical ground to cover today because we're actually going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does according to scripture and you know, for all real Christians. And it, it doesn't, Holy Spirit doesn't make you glow in the dark, doesn't make you speak in gibberish, doesn't make you convulse uncontrollably on the floor, nor does it make you bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken or anything like that. Not at all. So, you know, we'll, we'll spend some time in the scriptures today. But here's Emma Stark uh, from the New Year's Eve 2022 special at jimbakershow.com. Uh, and uh, again, we'll point out the empty... Pentecostal propaganda phrases here that just are nonsense. I think in the midst of all of this, mm. it would be remiss if we didn't also say. Okay, I'm going to point this out. Did you know Emma Stark, prophet and author? She ain't no prophet. She's not hearing from God the Holy Spirit. No way, not at all. I think in the midst of all of this, it would be remiss if we didn't also say that we are entering and have entered in the last few minutes, uh -huh. the era of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> 
excuse me, I almost choked on my coffee there. In the last few minutes, at the beginning of the year, 2020, 20, 2022, we, we just now, seconds ago, mere minutes ago, entered into the era of the Holy Spirit. What a complete, well, pile of rubbish is what this is. Complete nonsensical pile of rubbish. Is she not aware of the day of Pentecost? Yeah, so, alrighty, we got we got to start off with some biblical text here. Now we're gonna start here in the Gospel of John, chapter sixteen. Gospel of John, chapter sixteen. Uh, this is the section you know in the ESV highlighted as the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, starting then at uh, verse four. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now that I'm going to Him who sent me. And none of you ask where you're going, but because I have said these things, you, your sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper, uh, uh, the parakletos, if you've ever heard of the Holy Spirit referred to as a paraclete, that's your text, okay? He will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen to what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because I do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. All right. So I have said many things. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, notice the Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth, all right? Which means the Holy Spirit ain't going to lie. You can always tell uh, a false prophet or prophetess because they're speaking lies, okay? So Emma Stark is claiming that we've just now, minutes ago, entered the era of the Holy Spirit. What a load of rubbish, okay? I would remind you all, uh, have you ever read Acts chapter 2? Okay, so in fulfillment to the words that Jesus spoke in John 16, Acts chapter 2, after Christ's death, bodily resurrection from the grave on the third day, his ascension into heaven, okay, after a short amount of time, God the Father and God the Son send the Holy Spirit. Okay, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit arrives in mass. And note that the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do, the Holy Spirit does. Uh, the the uh, the receiving, the sending of the Holy Spirit kicks off the Christian Church. We've been in the era of the Holy Spirit for two millennia. All right, the Holy Spirit. The true Christianity's never been without the Holy Spirit. So it says when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, oh no, there was a suddenly. There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other. And here you have the, the word for tongues, a glossa. And... Um, and so they spoke in other tongues, but God, the Holy Spirit knows how to use synonyms. So watch this. As the Spirit gave them utterance, they were not speaking gibberish, which is what you see going on in today's charismatic and Pentecostal churches. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each was hearing them speak in his own dialectos. So dialect is where, you know, this is where we get the word dialect. So 
speaking in tongues is a reversal of the Tower of Babel. Jews would pay really close attention to this because they know for a fact from the revealed Word of God in uh, in the book of Genesis that the reason why we have multiple languages on planet Earth is because of our sin and our rebellion. So God punished us with the uh, with the inability to communicate with each other. And so here the the uh, the day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit is reversing this. People are hearing the wonders of God proclaimed to them in their own languages. And this is an exact sign. This is a sign that Isaiah prophesied would come, all right? So they were amazed, astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? There it is again, dialectos. Parthenians and Medes, and now we get the list of the uh, different languages. Uh, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews, proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own Glossa, tongues, no, tongues and dialectos are synonyms here, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. And here comes the biggest miracle of them all. Now God, the Holy Spirit, speaks through the apostle Peter, who preaches a sermon, and watch what happens. People are convicted of their sin and unbelief, the way Jesus said they would be, because the work of the Holy Spirit is to do that. So Peter Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered by, through the prophet Joel. So note, the day of Pentecost is the fulfillment of a prophecy from Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He's already done this. It began 2,000 years ago. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men see visions. Your old men dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. God the Holy Spirit now is for everybody, not just a few select prophets of the Old Testament. And God doesn't is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, slave or free. Ah, the Holy Spirit is poured out freely for all who trust in Christ. And I will show wonders in heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And I would remind you all, when Christ was on the cross, at noon, the sun was darkened and the moon no longer gave its light, right? So here, you know, you have an, invo in, in, you know, an, an invocation, if you would, of the darkness that took place while Christ was suffering, bleeding, and dying for your sins and mine on the cross, right? And it shall come to pass, listen to these words, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on the name of Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Call on his name now. Repent of your sin. Trust in him. You will be saved. So men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. So note, Christ's mighty works were attested, were, were an attestation, I think that's the way we're putting it, right, of who he was, the mighty one the promised Messiah of Israel. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified him. I always like to point this out. Um, there were people who were not there when Jesus was on trial, yet Peter is holding 
all of us responsible for the crucifixion of Christ. Yeah, that's right. I'm guilty of crucifying him. So are you. You you crucified, you killed him by the hands of lawless men, but God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David. Oh no, patriarchy. Yes, that's right. It's taught in scriptures. The patriarch David, that he both died and was buried. His tomb is with us to this day. So being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath that to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Hmm, having received, past tense there. Yeah, okay, received from the promise, uh, the Father of the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you yourselves are now seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Hmm. And this Jesus whom you crucified. And what happens? Remember what Jesus said, that, uh, that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to show you you're a sinner. So when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Who's doing the cutting? The Holy Spirit. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. In other words, there isn't a single penitent, believing, baptized Christian who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. And that's been true for two millennia. The era of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, well, indeed, that, uh, that began 2,000 years ago. But Emma Stark, uh, apparently uh, a prophetess of God, claims that we just entered the era of the Holy Spirit just a few minutes ago. Listen again, this is kind of nuts if you think about it. I think it. in the midst of all of this, it would be remiss if we didn't also say that we are entering and have entered in the last few minutes uh -huh. the era of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. How do you explain Acts chapter 2, lady? Yes. Oh, God, let it be. Oh, man, I love that. And oh, I love Holy Spirit. We have mm. been Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures for so long. Yeah. All right, now that's an empty Pentecostal uh, propaganda phrase. We've been Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures for too long. Baloney, Bologna. This is just bovine scatology. And this is flat-out propaganda. There isn't a single believing, baptized, penitent Christian who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the issue here is, is that, uh, well, the Pentecostals, they want all the sign gifts right now. They want them to keep going on. But 
you'll note, if you do your history work, and I actually have done an episode on this, you can find it in the archives of Fighting for the Faith. We'll put a link to it down below, where we talk about the fact that Pentecostals were never continuationists. They were always restorationists. Their claim was is that the Holy Spirit was grieved and left uh, the church when the church got organized, okay? Because apparently organization causes the Holy Spirit to disappear. And, uh, and so their claim <laughs> always has been that the Holy Spirit has been restored to the church. This is their claim, okay? Because they have to explain why there aren't Pentecostals for two millennia, you know, because there just weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so what, one of their, their, their empty Pentecostal propaganda phrases is, oh, we've been Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures for too long. I think there's over 600 million people who claim to be Charismatics or Pentecostals. What are you talking about, lady? Okay, this is, this is nonsense. So this kind of leads to the next bit. What is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian? Okay, this is where we're going to take a look at two passages in this relationship, because note here, Holy Spirit. Mm. And Jesus said, let me, let me back this up. He says, I, 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 you know, I, I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So we know that the helper will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, but the helper for Christians is quite important because what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian? Again, it's not to make you speak in gibberish, bark like a dog, cluck like a chicken, roll around on the floor and convulse uncontrollably. No, actually it's quite something, it's something quite understandable. It's to produce in us holiness. Let me take a look at Romans chapters 7 and 8, and we'll draw in Galatians chapter 5 into this regard so you can see it in the cross-reference. So the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 describes, if you would, the normal life of a Christian, which seems like being at war with yourself because you still have a sinful nature to contend with. And the question is, what's going to be the tiebreaker between those two? Remember, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit's a helper. So watch where Paul goes with this. So Paul, talking about the condemning uh, aspect of the law, how it rightly condemns us, uh, watch what he says. So, so what shall we say? This is Romans chapter 7, verse 7, that the law is sin? No, no, no. The law is good, by the way. Y yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, you shall not covet, but sin, seizing an opportunity. So he's describing sin as like a corruption of our flesh, of our soul, of our mind, a corruption. Sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. But I once was alive apart from the law, and when the commandment came, sin came alive, and then I died. So the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy. And it is. And it, the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. The fault lies with me and you, and the fault doesn't lie with God's commandments. So did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, 
but I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. I don't understand my own actions. I do not do what I want. I, I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do not do what I want, I agree that the law, with the law that it is good. So you'll, you'll note here, this is the life of the normal Christian. Paul's writing in present tense here. The verbs are all present tense. He's not talking about what it was like before he was a Christian. He's talking about the day-to-day struggle of a Christian. The things I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I don't do, right? So now it is no longer I who do it. It's sin that dwells within me. I know that nothing good dwells in me that's in my flesh. I have the desire to do what's right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. Don't you think that maybe a helper would be uh, useful in this regard? If you have the desire to do what's right because you are regenerate, a new creature in Christ, but you don't have the ability to carry it out, but maybe, just maybe, a, a helper would be uh, useful in this context. And that's kind of the point, you'll see. For I don't do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do not do what I want, it's no longer I who do it. It's sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive the law of sin that dwells in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, I serve the law of God in my mind. With my flesh, I serve the law of sin. But now here comes the turn. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ has bled and died for all your sins. God doesn't deal with you according to your sin. If you, O Lord, kept a record of wrongs, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. So the state of a Christian is interesting. Because Christ has died and accounted for all of our sins, the the record of death that stood against us has been taken away and nailed to the cross. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life, has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And watch these words. Fulfilled in us who walk. Walk has to do with how you conduct your life. It's a Hebraism. So who conduct their lives, listen, not according to the flesh, but we conduct our lives according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, what do they do? They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. To set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. The mind that is set on the flesh, it is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Are you a penitent believer in Jesus Christ? Have you been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? You are one who has the Holy Spirit. So anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin... And it is. The spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and if you're a Christian, he does, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells 
in you. So then, brothers, now watch this. This is where the helper part comes in. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh. We, we, we don't have any debt to the flesh in order to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Listen to the words. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit is our helper, and it is through His power that we put to death the deeds of the body, which requires you to do this. Pray, ask, humbly say something like this. Lord God, your commandment says to me that I shall not do that thing. Your commandment also says to me that I shall do that thing. But I find it within myself that my flesh doesn't want to obey your commands. So please, I humbly pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would give me the strength today to put to death the deeds of my flesh, of my body. Didn't Jesus say that the Holy Spirit is our what? Helper. Okay. That being the case, you'll note then the, the work of the Holy Spirit the way the Holy Spirit helps us is the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to day by day put to death the deeds of our sinful flesh. And you know who I never hear talking about that? Pentecostals. For all their talk of Holy Spirit, they never really talk about real true holiness. Okay, So if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. If by the Spirit, by the Spirit's power, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are, are God, are, uh, of God are sons of God. It, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery in order to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So the Spirit himself bears with with our spirit, that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are already heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. Now, here's our cross-reference then, Galatians 5. This is a more compact version of what we read in Romans 7 and 8. And you can see it really clearly then. God, Christ has sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit, by whose power then we mortify our sinful flesh and bear the fruit of the Spirit. So, Paul says in Galatians 5, and this is a text, you know, the whole epistle is written against self-righteousness, all right? So this is true biblical Christian sanctification, sanctus, to make you holy, right? So I say, walk by the Spirit, conduct your life by the power of the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you, uh, to keep you from doing the things you want to do as Christians. Ah, that sounds like a good compact summary of what we read in Romans 7. So if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, here's, here's what they are. You're not sure what the works of the flesh are? This is them. They are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right? So that's a nice little compact list of the, uh, of the uh, <clears throat> fruit of the flesh, if you would. Okay? But the fruit of the Spirit... Listen to the fruit. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit. This is the list of holiness, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So if we live by the Spirit, by His power, He's our helper. So let us then keep in step with the Spirit. Huh. All right. No, the, the emphasis is on convicting the world of sin and unbelief, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, putting to death the deeds and the lusts and the passions of our sinful flesh. All right, that's the biblical work of the Holy Spirit, and Christians have been doing that for two millennia. All right, so here's Emma Stark claiming to be a prophetess, claiming just minutes ago we've entered into the era of the Holy Spirit, and she's just spewing a bunch of empty Pentecostal propaganda phrases. Let me back it up just a little that bit. That we are entering and have entered in the last few minutes, uh -huh. the era of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You see, when you know your Bible, this just sounds totally Looney Tunes, and it is. Yes. Let it be. Oh, man, I love that. And oh, I love Holy Spirit. We have been mm. Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures for so long. Wow. As if somehow the Holy Scriptures are a bad thing. I would remind you of what Scripture says about Scripture. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, oh, hang on a second here, I got a little too clicky here, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul says this, this is a prophecy. Understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self. Those are narcissists, check. Lovers of money, well, Benny Hinn, Ken Copeland, check. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. That's in the church, by the way. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving the good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Among them are those who creep into household, who capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. But just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men, they also oppose the truth. They are men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith. They'll not get very far. Their folly will be plain to all, as was the, that of those two men. You, however, have followed my faith, my teaching, my conduct, my aim, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, with persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Godly life, you want to know what that looks like? See Galatians 5. While evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. As for you, continue what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the Bible, okay, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture is theanoustos, breathed out by God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, and uh, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. You'll note by this empty propaganda phrase, oh, you know, it's been, the church has been Father, Son, and Holy Bible for too long. Uh-huh. 
Right. All scripture is God breathed. And Peter actually talks very glowingly, if you would, uh, pardon the pun, you'll see it in a second, uh, regarding the scriptures. Uh, and, and so in Second in, uh, Peter, um, he says this, verse 16 in chapter 1, we didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves, we heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. He's referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. And look, watch what he says. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Ah, even more fully confirmed than the voice he heard from the Father, you betcha, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. What is the Bible? It is a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing this, first of all, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by who? the Holy Spirit. You know, for all your talk of the Holy Spirit, you might want to pay attention to the fact that Scripture says that it was the Holy Spirit who caused these men to write these words in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And you do well to pay attention to them as a lamp shining in a dark place. We can I'm not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, I wear a ring with the, uh, uh, from Israel uh, which says the Lord our God is one, you know. Yes. And I really feel like the Spirit of God is a massive missing portion right. wow. of the experience of the church. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> There's no such thing as a penitent, baptized believer in Jesus Christ who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. That, that, that animal doesn't exist. Wow, this is crazy. Listen to this again. That's a completely empty Pentecostal propaganda. Lord our God is one, you know? Yes. And I really feel like the Spirit of God is a massive missing right. portion wow. of the experience of the church. Yeah. No, he's not. <laughs> Your feelings are contradicted by the scriptures themselves. Who the Holy Spirit, whom the Holy Spirit inspired. Yeah. And not only are we going to see righteousness and holiness, mm -hmm. but you are about to see miracles and signs and wonders. No, you're not. I, man, when I was in the latter rain, people talk like this. Oh, we're just on the cusp. Oh, we're, it's right around the corner. Joel's army is coming up, man. And they're, uh, the people in Joel's army are going to operate in signs and wonders and miracles so naturally be like fish swimming in water. I heard this when I was a Pentecostal that you have only dreamed of. But it's by His Spirit. By His, his spirit. spirit. And I actually not believe... Not by might, not by power, but I by His Spirit. I actually believe that some of us, and, and I would say this because mm. I want you to understand why you felt so frustrated mm -hmm. and why some of us have felt so weak. Mm -hmm. Anybody had moments of real weakness? I know I have. <laughs> I know yes. I'm 46 <laughs> and should have a bit more energy, but I've had moments of, <laughs> I've had moments of real weakness. Yeah. yeah. And I really feel like the Lord is saying... I feel like the Lord is saying said no biblical prophet ever. I have had to put you in frustrated, weak places that you might learn <laughs> what dependency on my spirit is. Yeah. Mm -hmm, really? No, this, this isn't God the Holy Spirit speaking through you, lady. That's, um, that's a bad burrito that you ate on the flight over from uh, Scotland. Uh, so that actually my strength will be seen through you 
mm. and that I was actually shaking even your physical frame so that in the era of the spirit... A shaking. Grab your prophecy bingo card. You would here. know it was not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And Ooh. actually, God... Not by might, nor by power, but by a passage of scripture ripped out of context, saith the God Lord. Was stripping even our flesh oh. and patterns of how we did things that we might grow dependency and that we might come to a place of oh. such yieldedness yes. that we might... Have you come to a place of yieldedness yet? <clears throat> Galatians 3, Paul says to the churches of Galatia who had fallen for the Judaizing heresy. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. So let me ask you this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did you receive the you know did you receive the spirit by your yieldedness? Uh-uh. Okay. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. The theology she's spewing here is contradicted by Scripture, which proves she's a false prophet. Have the missing portion of Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has never been missing. That's the part you guys just don't get, do you? Possession. Mm. Wow. And I think the Holy Spirit is going to possess That's for me. us. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is... You're going to be possessed by something for sure. Um, but we're not possessed by the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. People who are possessed are demonized. going to possess yeah. us. Yeah. And it is in, in our weakness that he will enable us to be strong. Take that. And we Take are that, going to become wild. That's like for we, you. We are going to become wild. <laughs> we're going to become wild. Oh, no. Where in Scripture is wild ever portrayed as a positive thing? Yeah, you see, see um, Nebuchadnezzar went wild. That was a judgment from God. Like we have longed for. Mm. And most of us only have memories of radicalness. Yeah. But I want to say you are about to become wild in a new way. Yeah. And you are about to become... Again, these are all empty Pentecostal propaganda phrases. I heard similar stuff to this. Almost these exact phrases. Back in the late 80s, when I was in the latter rain. You are about to become beautifully intolerant. Oh. Uh, watch this. This is another big, empty Pentecostal uh, propaganda phrase. Beautifully intolerant to the spirit of the age. And you are about to become an offense to the spirit of religion. See, that's right. Uh, guys like me, you know what my problem is? I, I, I am operating in the spirit of religion. No, I'm not. I'm operating by the spirit of truth, the one who leads us into all truth, who doesn't contradict himself. And so, you know, again, empty, empty, empty phrases. This, this is par uh, standard 
Pentecostal propaganda. And and if you've been in the uh, Pentecostal movement for any amount of time, maybe you were in it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you heard these exact same phrases. They're just being brought out as if somehow they're brand new and they're not. She's not saying anything. And God, the Holy Spirit didn't teach her and give her these words anyway. And I really believe that many of us have got into bed with the spirit of religion. And once we railed against it, but the age of the Holy Spirit is going to make us what is the spirit of religion? Anybody who opposes these aberrant teachings and manifestations within the Pentecostal movement. Just keep that in mind. Now, real quick, we'll throw a little Jennifer LeClaire into the mix just because we can. So uh, this is Jennifer LeClaire, and this little segment is called Leveraging Music to Create Prophetic Atmospheres. <laughs> Where in the scriptures does it say that we can we create prophetic atmospheres? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Pay attention to this one again. Empty, empty Pentecostal propaganda phrase. You have a devotional in here titled, uh, Bring Me a Minstrel. <laughs> you write about leveraging music to shift demonic atmospheres and create prophetic atmospheres. <laughs> Where in the Bible? Does it talk about prophetic atmospheres and demonic atmospheres? This is this is straight out mythology. I, this this is not a biblical teaching at all. And she has to engage in eisegesis in order to make it appear like the Bible teaches this. But uh, let's keep going. Mm -hmm. Can you enlarge on that a little bit? <laughs> yes, I love this because it comes in the context of Elisha and King. Second Kings chapter three. Ahab and Jeroboam came to him wanting a word. You know, they're going to go to war. We're looking for a word from the prophet. Mm -hmm. And Elisha was really irritated. He's like, I don't want anything to do with this Ahab guy. I mean, he <laughs> gave my spiritual father, Elijah, a hard time. You know, he's putting up with Jezebel. He's like, ah, he didn't want to deal with it. And he knew that. Now, this is really critical for those prophets and prophetic people. You have to understand that when your soul is in a place of irritation, grief, sorrow, anger, depression, you're in. So notice here, she's not actually reading the text out. Hmm. In order to talk about prophetic and demonic atmospheres, don't want to prophesy out of irritation in your soul. Let's take a look at the passage, shall we? Because when you see what's going on in this text, you realize this woman's just like adding stuff to the scripture. So 2 Kings um, chapter 3, let's uh, we'll apply our three rules uh, for... Uh, Biblical exegesis, which are context, context, and context. All right. So, Second Kings chapter three. In the eighteenth year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, Jehoram the son of Ahab became king over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned for twelve years. He did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, though not like his father and mother, for he put away the pillar of Baal and his that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sin of Jeroboam the son of Nabat, which he made Israel to sin, and he did not depart from it. Okay. So we we got our little context here. In the northern kingdom, there's been a changing of the guard from uh, from Ahav to Jehoram, uh, the son of Ahav. All right. So now Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he had to deliver to the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But when Ahav died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel, so... King Jehoram marched out of Samaria at the time and mustered all of Israel, that's the northern kingdom, and he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, southern kingdom, the king of Moab has rebelled against me, will you go with me uh, to battle against Moab? 
And he said, I will go. I am as you are. My people as your people. My horses as your horses. And then he said, by which way shall we march? And Jehoram answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and when they had made a circuitous march of seven days, there was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. Then the king of Israel said, Alas, Yahweh has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. So Jehoram here is despairing, thinking that this that they, they have been uh, given into... Uh, Judgment, and they're all going to die at the hand of the king of Moab. And so Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of Yahweh here through whom we may inquire of Yahweh? So you'll note that Jehoram is despairing. He's not really known for his faith. Yeah, because he's, he's an idolater. So then one of the, uh, the king of Israel's servants answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of Yahweh is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went to him. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? He's an idolater. Go to the prophets of your father, the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, it is, the, it is Yahweh who has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. He's basically thinking that God is going to act in judgment against them. And this, this shows his lack of understanding as well as his lack of faith. Jehoshaphat is a faithful king. All right. So Elisha said, as Yahweh of armies, Savah here, that's your, so whenever you see in the ESV or maybe the NIV, the Lord of hosts, host Savah means army, the Lord of armies, the Lord of armies lives that before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician, all right? And, uh, and the King James uh, says minstrel, right? And when the musician played, the hand of Yahweh came upon him. And he said, thus says Yahweh, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. For thus says Yahweh, you shall not see wind or rain, but that stream bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink and your livestock and your animals. This is a light thing in the sight of Yahweh. He will also give the Moabites into your hand and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall fell every good tree and stop up all the springs of water and ruin every good piece of land with the stones. The next morning, about the time of the offering, the sacrifice, uh, offering of the sacrifice, that's your 9 a.m. sacrifice, behold, water came from the direction of Edom to the country was filled with water. Now, a little bit of a note here. It is absolutely true that Elisha called a musician. The text doesn't say anything about demonic or prophetic atmospheres at all. In fact, when you read the writings of the church fathers on this passage, they basically say, well, by the fact that Elisha used a musician, that would have caused the armies that had joined together to gather around to hear the, this prophecy in the word of the Lord. Uh, you know, they were, they, they kind of think of the, the musical, uh, the use of a musician as a means of drawing attention so that 
uh, when the word of the Lord comes true, the army had heard it, okay? So they, they see the use of a, music, a, a musician here, not for the purpose of creating an atmosphere, because there's no mention of an atmosphere, but really more or less to draw attention to the fact that God was speaking. And God wanted more than uh, Jehoram and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom to hear it. He wanted the rest of the people so that when God's word came true, they would rejoice and thank God for this. That's the idea here. But uh, uh, this idea of prophetic and demonic atmospheres, that's a totally man-made doctrine. And what, uh, what Jennifer LeClaire is doing here is reading into the biblical text. Listen again. If my spiritual father, Elijah, a hard time, you know, he's putting up with Jezebel, he's like, ah, he didn't want to deal with it. And he knew that. Now, this is really critical for those prophets and prophetic people. You have to understand that when your soul is in a place of irritation, grief, sorrow, anger, depression, you're in some kind of mood. You don't want to prophesy out of your mood. Yeah. You want to prophesy, you don't want to prophesy out of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Right. You want to prophesy out of the spirit of God. So Elisha knew. Elisha knows full well that he will only speak the word of the Lord that, the, that Yahweh gives him. There's no temptation for Elisha here to prophesy out of his depression or his spirit or whatever. She's totally inserting stuff into this text that's not there. This is another empty Pentecostal propaganda phrase, the idea of atmospheres. Just, it's not taught in scripture. So he needed to shift that atmosphere. And so he called in a minstrel. You know, before I came in so he called in the minstrel in order to shift the atmosphere. Which text says that, that he did that in order to shift the atmosphere? Here, I was over in Kansas City at Mike Bickle's uh, church, oh, IHOP, yeah. and I uh, love Mike. I and, do uh, too. Yeah, he's tremendous. <laughs> yes, and I'm sitting is. there in the prayer room just, you know, waiting yeah. on the Lord, and there's just something about, you know, creating a culture of worship in your yes. own life Amen. that opens your ears in a way that most other things won't. We can enter through the gate of the word, but worship is so critical yes. because it focuses us so clearly on Jesus and prophets and prophetic people. You know, Pastor Jim telling you over and over by the Spirit of the Lord how critical it is. Pastor Jim, referring to Jim Baker. <clears throat> yeah, he, he should go back to doing prison ministry. Things won't. We can enter through the gate of the word, but worship is so critical yes. because it focuses us so clearly on Jesus and prophets and prophetic people. You know, Pastor Jim's telling you over and over by the Spirit of the Lord how critical it is to hear the voice of God. Put some music on in your home. Shift the atmosphere. The devil hates <laughs> Put worship music on in order to shift the atmosphere. Says no biblical text anywhere. Yes, to hear the worship, he'll right. flee. Ooh. Amen. The scriptures say, resist the devil and he will flee from it. It doesn't say put on a soaking CD. <laughs> anyway, you get the idea. So this, the, today's episode was uh, really kind of focused on listening to standard, empty, charismatic Pentecostal propaganda phrases that are just totally empty of any real biblical truth. But here's the thing. When I was a charismatic, I was hearing all this stuff decades, decades ago, and none of it's biblical and none of it's true. Jesus says when he sends the Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete, he will lead you into all truth. He's the spirit of truth. These people do not operate in the spirit of truth. They are just full, chock full of the spirit of error. And the things they say doesn't jive with the actual word of God when you fact check them biblically. And it shows that they're not operating in the spirit of truth. They're not pointing you to repent of your sins, convicting you of your sin and your unbelief, and about producing within you the real fruit of the spirit, which is holiness.
But instead, you know, they have you chasing after the latest prophecies, signs, wonders, and always, always and again, the, this move of the Holy Spirit, you know, this big move of signs and wonders is just, just right around the corner. It's almost here. It's been almost here for four decades. <clears throat> yeah, I think you get the point. So hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Mm -hmm.